What's up, girls, guys, gays, and theys? I'm Beth. And I'm TJ. Grab your bottle of wine and put your lawyer on speed dial. Welcome to Nightmare on Girls Night. How was your weekend? Wait, we're back. Yeah. <laughs> I just kicked right into it. Episode 11. Nightmare uh, on Girls Night. Yeah. Where we talk about true crime. If you're new here. Yeah. I hope you're new. I hope you're new. Yeah. Well, I hope we have some non-new and then I hope you're new. Yeah. Thank you for, for joining us on this chaos. Yeah. Chaos day. It's a Sunday again. And if this is your first episode, probably don't go back and listen to episode maybe one to four. Yeah. Five's a little rocky. Yeah. Episode, our last episode was really good. Great. Oh, yeah. We have a visitor today. We do have a visitor. We do have a visitor. Little, we, uh, little Yeti girl. We have a kitty cat. We don't know whose cat it is. <laughs> oh, there oh, she I is. Oh, I hope that showed up on the audio. I think it probably, if you could just lay down and be good, that'd be awesome. She's always good. What are you talking about? You be you, girl. <laughs> so yeah, we're on episode 11. Yep. We are a true crime podcast for anybody that's new. Mm-hmm. And we talk about situations that we've gotten ourselves in that maybe we shouldn't have made it out alive. Yeah. And ours then, or listeners. Or and then true crime. And mm-hmm. then kind of anything in between. Yeah. We love to talk about Vanderpump, but oh, I don't know yeah. how well that translates. It's so. your it's your girls' night on, you know, Monday morning. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's your girls' night, but like on crack. And then you took it a totally different oh, direction. Oh, well. Both. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so depending how spicy you're feeling it's not like we're doing crack no okay definitely not we digress <laughs> so um did you see the sad news last week about the shooting uh, nashville in nashville yes how terrible i know it's also it, this is so bad but it's to the point that it's like almost doesn't it's it's another headline for exactly. me because it happens so often which is horrible and in and of itself says a lot mm-hmm. but it's like we become desensitized yes yeah. you, and that's you so don't get shocked up. anymore you're like it's another school shooting yeah. okay it's another mall shooting it's yeah. but this one it was an elementary right mm-hmm. but the woman who did it was 20 yes is that correct yes okay. uh no sorry um man trans trans man okay i didn't so i didn't see and i didn't look too much into it so i'll let you take the no i think they were 20 years old okay um but before i talk about the piece of shit yeah no 28 28 28 um this is according to nbc news okay but before i talk about that piece of shit it was three students all nine years old evelyn dykehouse Haley scruggs and william kinney Literal babies. Oh, that is so tragic. And then three adults, Cynthia Peak, 61, Catherine Coants, Coants, 60, and Mike Hill, 61. I heard one was a substitute teacher. No. Which, okay, the whole thing is tragic in and of itself, but when it's circumstances, not, not that this makes it worse, but I'm saying in the circumstances where it's somebody that wasn't supposed to be there or yeah. that by chance, at, for some reason, it was wrong place, wrong time, like that woman, I can't. It's just horrible. It breaks your it heart. It breaks your heart. It's all thing terrible. breaks your heart. So the 28-year-old was a former student of the school. Oh, okay. And was killed at the scene. Um, Nashville police say there was a sense of resentment that might have played a role 
in the deadly attack. I don't care what your no exactly what your motivation yeah. was. Those are children yeah. and teachers doing their job. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah, your excuses mean shit all. And ha- I don't know if you've seen those videos online about people trying to make excuses for gun rights in the United oh, States. Oh, I can't. I and cannot. Trying. I've, there's been a lot of comparison between drag shows and gun oh, violence yes Have okay you seen that? i think i saw the interview that was happening yes yes they were like how many people do you think drag shows kill a year yeah and they were like well a lot yeah and then they were like how many people do you think die yeah. by gun violence and they tried to justify that drag yeah. is killing more people than gun violence which i just think just is like a bunch of such a stretch or shit like, you've gone so far yeah. into the right wing yeah. that you're sounding like an idiot. Yeah, there's there's no argument. It, I The one I watched was, I think it was that interview, Probably. and the guy brought up the statistics, and the person who was for gun ownership or whatever, I'm not going to, I don't yeah. know, but was actually, he didn't have a rebuttal at that no. point. Because what he was saying, like, just logically didn't make sense no. anymore. I didn't. I don't know how you, how you, I mean, again, I'm not going to get political on here because mm-hmm. whatever, but I don't know how you can even argue that as if they're the same the, I violence. just, when it's children and you're using semi-automatic weapons, yeah. like an AR-15, yeah. that you shouldn't be able to yeah. have that in your possession. And all of them were owned legally, were yeah. they not? Yeah. Yeah. And if I also saw, I think it was a congressman, he was talking about how hunters don't use semi-automatic weapons when they're shooting animals because it will obliterate the animals. Oh, God. And they're using it on children. It's just, it's so wrong. I can't imagine being a parent these days and having to send your kids to school, buying bulletproof backpacks. It's just, it's It's so so wrong. And again, though nothing will ever change. No. How many children or people in general need to, to die, die yeah. before, like, people, adults mm-hmm. didn't do it, children didn't do it, how are we, what needs to happen I don't know. for things to change? I have no clue. Nothing I'm will. I'm happy that where we live, there are stricter rules 100%. in getting guns and weapons yeah. and certain weapons have been banned. Yeah. Yeah. Not saying that people can't get them and not no, saying for that that sure. doesn't happen here, but we do have stricter regulations surrounding well, gun ownership. Yes, and just general mental health resources mm-hmm. and mental health checks. And the, I mean, this, the, the system will never be perfect, No, but I feel like it can definitely get better. Yeah. Because God damn, yeah. it's so sad. Rest in peace to those yeah. teachers Rest in and peace babies. And I don't even know you how you begin to continue to send your kids to school i well, add that i don't to know the list I of reasons for... i won't have children yeah. <laughs> that, where's the girl with the wife. list have you seen that girl on tiktok that has the list of no. reasons not to have kids oh my god it's like so long i'll send it to i you. need it I want, it's probably <laughs> my list i got a list she's got a list i do have a list <clears throat> okay so one thing i wanted to t- okay first off i have two things actually okay I, I don't know why this has started to pop up on my Facebook, but it's a documentary called Monsters in the Shadows. Have oh, you seen it? No. So I guess it you can watch it on Paramount, which just another... Is that like another friggin- streaming service? I think it's like another one of those that it's like you can buy it either through 
Disney or Amazon Prime. It's oh. one of those, like, you're paying for the streaming service already, and then you have to, like, tag on. Anyways. Yeah, okay. I don't know. But it started coming up, and I think you maybe can watch it on YouTube. But it's a documentary about the May 2012 disappearance of 19-year-old Brittany Wood. She was a single mom. Okay. And she was living in rural Alabama. But apparently, while digging into the case, police discovered a child sex abuse ring that was being led by her family members. Oh my god. I know. That's the synopsis that I caught when it started. Yes. And I've heard the documentary is absolutely wild. I hadn't even heard of her disappearance. I don't think, at least. Anyways, I hadn't even heard of this documentary, so I wanted to see if you'd seen it. No, I haven't, but I'm wondering if we should have a watch watch party. party. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I was hoping you hadn't seen it, because it looks absolutely bonkers. I love a, like, well, I mean, this, it's, I don't love when these things happen. That's not what I'm saying. I... But it's what we do. Dig a conspiracy. It's what we do. Yes. It's what we talk about. Yes. We bring light to these cases. Yes. And. Uncovering like uh so many layers of shit like this. I can't wait to watch because I don't know anything more than what I just said. But it looks so good. Okay. That gets me really excited. And we have to have a watch party and then we'll talk about it. We have to have a lot of watch parties, apparently. <laughs> we do. Let's add it to our list. Between Vanderpump and any reason to talk about Vanderpump. Oh my okay. god, did you get your t-shirt yet? No, did you? Yeah, it's in the mail. Mine, mine didn't come. I didn't come. get it yet. Okay. But, um, yeah, it's in the mail at the mail. We, at the mail place. At the mail place. <laughs> Beth and I drunkenly ordered... So, Schwartz and Sandy's, that's owned by Tom Sandoval and Thomas... No, Thomas Sandoval and Tom Schwartz. Yeah. They own a restaurant called Schwartz and Sandy's, but there's a t-shirt made with the Schwartz and Sandy's logo that says... Cheaters uh, and scumbags. Cheaters and scumbags. <laughs> and so we ordered it. Yeah. Oh my God. Things drunk us do. Yes. We're like, this is great. I should totally spend $50 and then $25 for shipping. Why not? Why would For this you? t-shirt that says cheaters and scumbags so across it. So I love stupid. it. <laughs> I live for it. Because none of the proceeds are going to those assholes. No, they're not. They're going to Alexandra House. Good. Which is um, for women experiencing domestic violence. Perfect. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So we're donating to a good cause. I love it. It's a little poetic justice it is honestly it really is um okay i have something else do you have do you have anything you want to chat about before we no i just wanted to mention again bradley caden is still missing okay um any updates there's no updates um i did see on the facebook page they were getting a canine search and rescue unit to come i don't know the specific date but he's still missing Again, I just wanted to let you know that the Facebook page is Find Bradley Caden. Um, Instagram is the same, Find Bradley Caden. They have a donation set up right now to put money towards resources and finding him. Okay. Um, The email is for e-transfers is on their Facebook page. Okay. Anyone in the Revelstoke area, in BC at all, yeah, um, please check out their Facebook page. We'll continue to post his face and yeah. Uh, and links to the contact information exactly exactly oh it's just crazy i I actually thought about him the other day when i was walking charlie because i just like you're like well i'm like walking through the woods and i'm just like how does someone vanish i know somebody knows something 100 percent. and so if you know something please just be a good fucking person yeah it's not hard his wife is doing everything in her power to try and bring him home so well, and one thing I read, because I went and did a little deeper dive after the last episode, is that there was a massive snowfall 
during that time okay i guess um like massive snowfall because i think it i can't remember who it was that knew bradley i don't know if it was this the the wife or or who it was but she had taken a lot of pictures that day Mm. of the snowfall just like in awe and then when he went missing she was like posting these pictures and she's like one thing i want to know is how much snow that Mm. had fallen that day because i guess Part of it is that his truck had gotten stuck in the snow and then he was trying to get it out. But then when they returned, I think a week later or whatever, she said, you know, like the truck was unstuck, but he was nowhere nowhere to be found. So yeah, it's just so posting, Keep sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Following kind of what we also talked about last episode, we talked about flesh pedestrians, which... I'm going to give a warning to anyone of the culture that doesn't like to hear the actual word. I'm about to talk about it for probably the next three minutes. Okay. So you can bump ahead. So I'm actually going to use the word skinwalker. Okay. So I wanted, I realized I didn't say or tell anybody what a skinwalker actually is. And I feel like I should elaborate on that a bit. Otherwise it's just like. Okay, bring it on. So I looked it up and I did a bit of research and tried to find the best, um, description of what this is so I got a few anthropologists explanations of it Mm -hmm. so in Navajo culture a skinwalker is a type of harmful witch who has the ability to turn into possess or disguise themselves as an animal Mm. in the American Southwest the Navajo and other tribes each have their own version of the skinwalker apparently but each essentially boils down to a malevolent witch capable of transforming itself into a wolf, coyote, bear, bird, or any other animal. Mm. When the transformation is complete, the human witch inherits the speed, strength, or cunning of the animal whose shape it has taken. So Dan Benishek is an anthropologist at the University of Nevada. He said skinwalkers are purely evil in intent. I'm no expert on it, but the general view is that skinwalkers do all sorts of terrible things. They can make people sick. They can commit murders. Mm. So for the Navajo and other tribes of the Southwest, the tales of skinwalkers are not just merely legend, but the belief is strongly held within their culture. Okay. Which is why a lot won't talk about it. Right. So another anthropologist, David Zimmerman of the Navajo Nation Historic Preservation Department explains that skinwalkers are folks that possess knowledge of medicine, both practical, for example, healing the sick, and spiritual, example, to maintain harmony, and they are both wrapped together in ways that are nearly impossible to untangle. We know from personal experience that it is extremely difficult to get Native Americans to discuss skinwalkers, even in the most general terms. Hmm. Practitioners of witchcraft are considered to be a very real presence in the Navajo world, The cautious Navajo will not speak openly about them, especially with strangers, because to do so might invite the attention of an evil witch. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. After all, a stranger who asks questions about skinwalkers just might be one themselves, looking for their next victim, because they can take shape of anything. Okay. Even humans. Even, yeah. So that's why they're like, they don't want to talk about it, because they could be Mm. unintentionally inviting openly okay so i just want to show you this picture because this picture was attached to this article i read and okay. and we'll i'll post it okay how creepy oh my god that's so spooky okay. the eyes like and what it yeah looks like a human i know it's horrifying that's so spooky so i'll post that but so it goes on to say skinwalkers are not boogeymen and they aren't the figures made up to scare children 
Unlike Anglo stories of werewolves and witches, they don't lose control and kill everything in their path or maliciously curse people for no reason. Mm -hmm. Like humans, though, they do kill, and like humans, they have motivations for those acts of aggression. Power and revenge feel their murderous intent, but such things cannot occupy the brain of a rational creature all the time, Mm -hmm. so they do not make murder part of their daily routine. Okay. Uh, In certain instances, people report seeing or hearing skinwalkers outside their homes at night. Rarely, however, does a skinwalker enter the dwelling. Okay. But they've also, skinwalkers have been reported by both native and non-native people. And then it just, like, boils down to do people believe in skinwalkers when they, like, have these instances. So, Mm -hmm. I actually, on one of our Sunday scaries, I'm going to tell a few stories Mm -hmm. of people that claim to have had interactions with skinwalkers. Okay. And then just lastly, uh, it says... A lot of Navajos, so um, there's an author of a book, his name is Tony Hillerman. He says, a lot of Navajos will tell me empathetically, especially when they don't know me very well, that they don't believe in all of that stuff. And then when you get to be a friend, they'll start telling you about the first time they ever saw one. And I like got goosebumps. It's like, yeah. uh, So I find it so fascinating but also I'm respectful of the fact that it's a very real Mm -hmm. fear in that culture and I do believe in it I I 100% do yeah um but yeah in one of her Sunday scaries I'll bring a few different stories of people's experiences when they thought they interacted with one or had an experience and it's fucking wild okay like it's like horror movies but on crack a lot of them I don't know why I'm saying crack so much this episode (laughs) crack crack <laughs> say it again <laughs> crack um are a lot of the stories in like Appalachian area it's a lot of like in the southwest so okay. like I don't know if you've seen Skinwalker Ranch but that's no. like one of the areas where they've said to have the most um activity? like activity okay. also a documentary that I think is on Amazon Prime that's I think where I watched it but yeah it's mostly the southwest area and I haven't looked into too much if it's in other areas of the states, but mm-hmm. maybe I'll bring more. Yeah. I will do some more research okay. and bring that next time. Yeah, we'll do it on our Sunday Scaries. We'll do, like, themed Sunday Scaries. I love a themed Sunday Scaries, yeah. but I think we decided our Sunday Scaries are going to be, like, horror, paranormal, yeah, haunted, UFO-y exactly. type of things like that. Keep so that if you're, if you're into that, you can listen to it. Mm-hmm. And if you're just a true crimer, then you can stick to our our regular showings. Regular schmegular. Regular classes. programming. That's the <laughs> word. I was like, what am I trying to our figure regular out? Regular programming. I love that. I yes. love that. Okay. Okay. You're on uh, How Am I Live this week. Yes. And I'm on True Crime. Are yes. you good to take it away? I'm great to do so. I Mine is taking a little bit of a turn this week because... Someone wrote in, but they wrote in not necessarily a... I'll just read. I'll get into it and then I'll talk about it. So they wrote in and they wanted this to be more of like a PSA. Okay. Like a... Love that. Stay on your toes. So they said, I grew up in a smallish town around 6,000 people, but I had just moved to a city for college at this time. I needed to make some extra cash while I was in school, so I put an ad on the community Facebook buy and sell page offering up babysitting services. I had done a few babysitting jobs for people that had contacted me through that posting and everything had been going smoothly. I honestly wasn't weary or concerned about ill intentions. Maybe that was just my small town innocent mind mentality. Mm -hmm. Anyways, this one day I received a call from an unknown number and this was before incessant spamming days so I obviously answered. 
It was a gentleman on the other end. I'm sorry, the word gentleman, and then I know what she's about to talk oh, about. And I'm no. like, nah. it's a, it was a dude. No, that's not even a good term. No. It, anyways, it was a weirdo on the other end, and he said he was interested in hiring me for babysitting for his child. The conversation started out normal, small talk, how he found my information, etc. I asked him how many children he had and how old they were, but he just kind of bounced around the answer and started asking me questions. Weird. Yeah. She said, I wasn't too weirded out yet, though, because honestly, it's a lot for a family to find someone they trust with their children, so I try to be sensitive and vulnerable to the fact that they will likely have more questions about me than I will about them. Sure. Me, I'd be like, fuck right off. Yeah, I mean, I feel like as a employee, you want to know what your job is going to entail. Yeah. Yes. There are weird... Like, that murder where the woman this is just totally going off topic but that where the husband and wife the girl in the box the husband and wife kidnapped her because they said they had a baby in the backseat and they did and they did yeah and yeah like just because you have children also i don't believe this it doesn't mean you're a good good anyways anyways the conversation continues and he asked me the usual what do i do for work what are my available hours but then he started to press further with questions like Whereabouts is your work located? Where do you live? What time do you finish work at? What do you normally do when you get off work? Are you married? Do you have kids? He wanted to know absolutely everything about me. That's so spooky. Mm -mm. At this point, I try to steer the conversation away from myself and try to learn more about his kids, but he ignores my questioning and presses further by asking, oh, so when you leave work, do you walk home or do you go to the gym? What's your routine? What time do you normally leave? And then asking me things like, are you physically fit? Do you work out or do you hike a lot? And my spidey senses are now tingling. Yeah. It starts to feel an awful lot like he wanted to know exactly where I would be and when and if I'd be alone. Mm -hmm. I now tell him he can email me any questions he has, but that I had to go. He again ignores me and asks me to come meet him at a location so he could decide if he he could trust me with his kids. There was no way that that was about to happen, so I kindly said, you can email me your questions, but I have to go now. And Mm -hmm. I promptly hung up. I never did receive an email from him and never received another call. But for the next week, I was so paranoid that someone would be waiting for me as I left work or would be following me. In hindsight, I provided way too much information about myself. But again, I was vulnerable to the fact that I was literally offering babysitting services. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I reported to the police more just for my own curiosity about wanting to know if things like this are common. Apparently in my city alone, they had 15 other cases reported of people offering up babysitting, pet sitting, house sitting, and then a man doing the same type of thing. Ew. I still don't know what his intentions would have been, but nonetheless, if they weren't to murder me, this guy should still stop being so fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I know it's not a how am I live, but it's a good PSA for anyone using FB, community pages, marketplace, Craigslist, etc. Literally anyone can be on those groups and not everyone is going to have good intentions. It makes it a super easy place to prey on the vulnerable or just good people just looking to make some extra cash. Mm-hmm. Anyways, stay safe, bitches. You have to be so careful with yeah. how much information you give people. Well, and like, why? Like, yeah, the strategically, like, what? where do you work? What mm-hmm. time do you leave? And do you walk alone? Do you mm-hmm. walk home? Do you drive? Like, that's creepy Too to many me. questions. Too creepy. Yeah. So then from that, I started looking up, like have people died from from like Facebook Marketplace and I'm going to read you a couple. Oh no. So Denise Williams from Pennsylvania was allegedly stabbed to death when she went to pick up a cheap refrigerator that she had seen on a listing on 
Facebook. Oh my god. Yeah. Back in April, the this was an old article, but it said back in April, the 54-year-old nurse's body was found in Joshua Gorgon's apartment after her family reported her missing. Authorities said Williams went to the 26-year-old six-year-old's apartment to pick up the fridge, which she was buying for her boyfriend as a present. So he faced charges of homicide and aggravated assault. Another um, guy, Joseph Vindal, was shot to death in his car in New Orleans after he went up to meet, went to meet up with someone who had expressed interest in buying his dirt bike. That's so fucked up. And then uh, Casey Parton, who was 21, and his 24-year-old brother Tyler were allegedly trying to buy a dirt bike from another 16-year-old and shots were fired and uh, Adams died at the scene and then Casey Parton later died at the hospital. Wow. And then it goes on. Like, there's more. So it said that this article came out in 2021 Mm -hmm. and it said from the beginning of the pandemic which would have been like approximately march 2020 there were 13 homicides from facebook marketplace exchanges oh my god i know honestly that's so cowardice it is people like you're taking advantage of innocent people that yes. are just looking to buy something exactly secondhand. they're literally trying to pay your ass like, for it what is the motivation there i have no idea i don't understand no. that have you ever done a creepy like been like i probably shouldn't do this because i have a, several stories like where i probably shouldn't like have done it facebook marketplace yeah um i honestly i don't use mm. marketplace as much as i yeah. should and i think it's just because i've always lived in small towns yeah. and they're I don't know, like, there's not much. If it comes up, it's gone yeah. in seconds, so. Okay, but, like, remember that? So, my brother, my dad, and I this year were doing You Had to Thrift Christmas yes. Gifts. Beth knows this story, but I'm going to tell it for everybody else's pleasure. And I, so I was struggling to find something to buy secondhand, and then we live in a small town. The yeah. population here is, like, what, 3,000? Yeah. Like, what is it? Yeah. Anyways. And this guy posts on facebook marketplace like new flea market um just on the outskirts of town and i was like wonderful so i messaged this guy and i was like can i come check out your flea market he gets back to me at like 8 30 p.m on a wednesday night and he was like yeah come over right now and if you want and i was like perfect i'll come over by myself because my husband was still living elsewhere at the time I was like, I'll come over at nine o'clock at night outskirts of this oh small town and go to your flea market Rural that you said BC. is in the basement of your house. <laughs> yeah. I texted you yes. and I was like, if I go missing, it's because I'm going to a flea market by myself right now. And yes. you were like, right now? And I was like, yes, I need a Christmas gift. <laughs> Anyways, I go there and I just go into his house willy nilly. There are no street lights because he lives on the outskirts. Yeah. He was the nicest man. Oh, he was like 80. He talked about how his like son had died and he was like um his wife and him run this flea market and he's really trying to help his wife to you know want to be social again because she was really struggling after the death of their son and oh god it broke my damn heart oh that's so nice yeah recommend the flea market to everyone 100% recommend the flea market but i'm not gonna say what it is because then i'll know where we live yeah no that's fine i mean support your local flea market yes even if they're in basements maybe bring somebody (laughs) next time but then the other one remember near halloween i was i bought christmas decorations yes and i went to a house and the woman this sweet older woman answered the door but then she was so excited she was like 
come on in. I've decorated the inside of my house as a Halloween, like a haunted house. Like, want to come see it? And I was like, yeah. You're too nice. I like walk in. She's like, come here. We've also decorated our garage and like, you can come see it. And I was like, sweet. That could be the start of a a horror book. 100%. I waltzed in there. She could have offered me fucking cookies that were filled with poison. I would have been like, fuck yeah. You would have become a part of the haunted house. Oh, right. Like my corpse is sitting in the corner. Yeah. But for someone who listens to true crime, I do a lot of stupid shit. I once drove I'm not gonna name well I can name the city whatever we were passing through Calgary but I made Dylan drive my butt all the way into downtown Calgary yeah. so I could pick up two salt shakers <laughs> which also were a gift from my at brother at least you had Dylan with you though yeah they were they were dog salt shakers Aww. but then this man's was like yeah just come into my backyard and then he was like oh they're in the basement come on in and I was like sure and then he sure. gave me an extra set of salt and pepper shakers sure. because I waited so patiently. Anyways, wow. the shit I do, and I'm still here, it is questionable. questionable. It is. Be more careful. Thank you. I know. I <laughs> or, be better. Share your location with somebody, please. My mom and my grandma have my location, but that's not super they're helpful when so they're far, far away. away. <laughs> Maybe somebody like me that lives around the corner. I should. I should. I've been getting better at being like, I'm going to do some sketchy shit right now. Okay. Watch me. Yeah. And not eat my sketchy shit. I'm not even, like, going to buy drugs or something. I'm going to buy salt and pepper shakers and Christmas decor. Yeah, but still, I feel like that's still as sketchy as going to buy drugs. Yeah, no, for sure. Because I was way too trusting of older man who was at the flea market and older woman who was mm-hmm. decorating her house. I was like, yeah, I'll come in for a meal. <laughs> like, for sure. You want me to check out your your cellar underneath your house in your crawl space sure what you got back there oh like, i'll do it she's really just getting herself into yeah. the most precarious this is situations this is how i have so many how my lives i sit here and i'm like why it's all why bad luck when, so I, many? when i'm willy-dilly walking into a serial killer's house Hi. being like feed me i'm the problem it's me. <laughs> uh, okay uh, keeps things interesting uh, all right take her away I am going to talk about a spooky story. I love it. Oh, it's it's a No, true I crime. don't. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. It's a true crime. <laughs> I don't know. I'm it's not spooky. really. Okay. So last week when we were talking about National Park missing persons, I wanted to see if there was any Canadian true crime Ooh. cases that took place in our national or provincial parks in BC. I love it. And I'm music sure it's not heart. surprising. What? I don't know. Did you say music to my heart? <laughs> Isn't it music to my ears? Yeah. Tis. Whatever. Whatever. There Keys is to an... my heart? What's the saying? Key to my heart? Sure. Anyways, I'll let you go. I digress. That's okay. Again. Um, there's an infamous one, and it's the story of the Wells Gray Provincial Park murders. Okay. Do you know where Wells Gray Provincial Park is? And why have I... Why would I know what that is? Where is um, it? So, Wells Gray Provincial Park is in the Thompson-Nicola region of Interior, B.C., Wells Gray encompasses several rural communities such as Clearwater, oh, Upper Clearwater, yeah. Vavenby, Great. and Birch Island. <laughs> the park's about eight hours from Calgary and seven hours from Edmonton. Okay. Uh, it covers 5,250 square kilometers or 1.3 million acres, um, and it looks beautiful. Like, awesome. I think if we ever get the chance, we should go camping yeah, up there. Um, I'm going to give a trigger warning now. There is talk of sexual abuse um, of children in this story. 
So in August of 1982, the Bentley Johnson family would be packing themselves up in a 1981 Ford camper to head out of Kelowna for a two-week camping vacation to Wells Gray Provincial Park. The family consisted of George Bentley, his wife Edith Bentley, their daughter Jackie Johnson, 40 years old, son-in-law Bob Johnson, 44, and granddaughters Janet, 13, and Karen, 11. Okay. So grandparents, parents, and children. Right. Whose parents were they? Um, they were, uh... <clears throat> Does, not that it's, not that it I, probably... Impacts. I think it was the wife. Okay. Mm, yeah, I think it was the wife. Okay. We can um, always fix that in the next episode yeah. if we're wrong. <laughs> this family was very close-knit, like you'd have to be. The camper was super small. It's one of those ones that was, like, on the back of a pickup truck. Oh! Um... Six of them are staying Six in of them. Damn. I think they also had tents for the kids, but yeah. still, like... Really close quarters. No. They loved camping together and spending time outdoors. Yeah, but... The family pitched camp at a secluded area near Phage Creek, 18 kilometers north of Clearwater and 18 kilometers south of the Well Grays Park entrance in Clearwater Valley Road. So the family was just outside of the park gates, essentially. Okay. Come August 16th, 1982, Bob Johnson, the father of the family, failed to show up to work after their vacation time. So after those two weeks... This was unusual for him, as he worked there for 25 years and never showed without calling first. How many cases have we covered where, like, that was the first sign of something being wrong? Mm -hmm. Um, Employees of Bob waited around eight days to report that Bob was missing to the RCMP. Eight days. Eight days. So that's three weeks after their camping trip. Like, okay. Yeah. This led to a missing persons report being filed for all three generations of the family. That, so... uh, so many questions. Mm-hmm. A, eight days is an obnoxiously long time to be like, that's, they're probably fine. He's yeah. probably just late for work. Yeah. Like, eight days late? Eight days late. But then also, was nobody else alarmed by these, like, schools aren't concerned? Or maybe it was the summer, well, it was probably the summer So, time. the family, the extended family, like, aunts and uncles, uh, the brother of Bob Johnson and his wife were concerned, mm-hmm. and okay. they were a part of the missing person search. Once they were reported. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Um, there was a lot of frustration surrounding where to start um, in these missing person cases. A lot of the investigators and family me- family members were confused as to how six people could just go missing yeah. without anyone knowing anything. Yeah. Just like literally up and vanished. That's insane. Almost a full month after the family was reported missing, on September 13th, 1982, the RCMP received a tip. They got a phone call. A mushroom picker who had been hiking in the area reported that he saw an old burned out vehicle off a mountainside logging road. The witness stated that the vehicle looked like the one that the Bentley Johnson family was driving. Okay. RCMP came to investigate the scene, which turned out to be that of the Bentley Johnson family vehicle, a 79 Plymouth. They found the remains of four adults inside the vehicle, which had been shot in the head with a 22 caliber weapon and cremated. Oh my god. And no kids. In the trunk. Oh god. They found the burnt remains of two young girls. It is said that an accelerant was used to generate such an intense heat. Were they shot? Um, yes, they were. Michael Eastham, the lead investigator at the time, stated on Crime Beat, a global news documentary. Yeah, I love Crime Beat. It's so good. Yeah. That was, like, the first time I had ever watched anything on Crime Beat. I went down, like, a huge rabbit hole watching them after that. He said, you could have easily put all all four of those bodies in a shopping bag, and it still wouldn't have been half full. That's what was left, and that's what we had to work with. Oh, that's horrible. Like, the fact that the 
this person use an accelerant yeah. to generate such an intense heat to burn yeah. that vehicle. Yeah. It's it's also, insane. Well, and how did nobody see it was the way flames up on the or the road? Oh, yeah. I guess, and you could just assume at that point campers are having a fire or bonfire. Yeah. Or and I'll mention this later, but burning. there was a forest fire in that area. Oh, okay. I think a couple years before. Yeah, but I'll get yeah. to that. So the entirety of the seventy-nine Plymouth was transferred to Vancouver to do a to a crime lab for further investigation. They like picked it up with okay. a helicopter and moved it to Vancouver. At this point, the Ford camper was still nowhere to be found. The oh, RCMP, yeah, right. Yeah, because there was two vehicles. Yeah. The RCMP had 75 investigators knocking on every door in Clearwater to question if any of the community members had information on the truck camper's whereabouts. There was also an anonymous tip line where they received a tip on two individuals that had French accents driving mm. a similar truck camper. Composite drawings were sent out to the public, and a timeline was created by investigators of their trip across the country. So, um, police drove a replica of the 1981 Ford camper truck, like, exactly the same. They had, like, a tin boat on top of the... The, the camper. camper. Okay. Um, same colors and everything. Yeah. So they took the truck. They had signs on the back asking if anyone had seen a similar vehicle to call the RCMP and make a report. Wow, good for the police. They drove it all the way to Montreal in oh. hopes to gain more leads. However, they had nothing. no no reports, nothing. So a year after the Bentley Johnson family was reported missing, the investigators received a call stating that the Ford camper was found at the top of Trophy Mountain in Clearwater. Now, there was tree planters that had been in the area in the summer prior, okay. only a couple hundred meters away from where the camper was. So they would have been, like, super close right. to the camper. And yeah, they, didn't. They definitely would have seen it. Right. But there was, um, because the camper was burnt out and the tree planters were from, like, a different area and mm. unfamiliar, investigators stated that they might have thought it was just another victim of right. the forest fire right. um, that had ran through there not long before. Right. So a helicopter was brought in again to lift out the truck and take it to Vancouver for further investigation. And you said the camper was also burnt out. Yes. Okay. Yeah. After it was reported that the Ford camper was found up in the mountain, investigators received another tip of someone remembering seeing a truck and a camper parked in an area known as Old Bear Creek Prison Site. Oh, what? Why is it there called was a, that? There was a prison there oh. in that area. In this location, they found six 22 caliber shell casings oh. and some beer caps on the ground. Uh. This brand was known to be favored by Bob Johnson, the father of the two young girls, Janet and Karen. Okay. There were full bottles of this beer found cooling in the stream nearby, and also two sticks with sharp ends um, that were most likely used by the girls to roast marshmallows. Right. Like how, so innocent. I know. How fun was that when you were a yes. kid? Yes. Camping and... From where the murder site was discovered to the top of the mountain where the camper was found to then the burnt out 79 Plymouth, they made it like a perfect triangle of areas, um, which led investigators to believe whoever committed the crime had known the area extremely well. So investigators used the classic tactic of holding on to information that only the perpetrator would know and the investigators would know in efforts to try and get a lead. So the information that the RCMP held on to was that the pickup truck that was burned out had a bullet hole in the door. Oh, okay. Officers were sent out um, again after the camper and truck were found into clear water to do the same thing, knock on doors, question the community. One officer noted at a house they visited, the wife stated that her husband had an issue with his truck because there was a bullet hole in the door. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
this man immediately goes to the top of the list. Uh, yeah. Um, and if that wasn't enough of a tip to be given to the RCMP, they were, one of the officers was in a coffee shop and was given a piece of paper with the name David Shearing. Oh, just like casually. Yeah. Like you should check this guy out. Okay. And it turned out that was the guy, the husband of the wife that said there was a bullet hole Okay. In the door. Yep. Well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Within a couple hours of this tip being given to the officer, they started to receive information that David Shearing ran over a man by the name of David Carter on the highway on the way to his house a couple years ago. Just casually mm-hmm. ran him and over. And killed him. Oh my God. He was God. never caught or prosecuted for it. What? And I don't understand how this community knew this man was a bad person. Yeah. Knew that he committed this crime and wasn't saying anything over the years of this family being missing. Yeah. Like, hey, you should look into this. Exactly. If red flags weren't going off before, they are. They they were now. Although it's extremely frustrating, again, that the community kept their mouths shut. Just casually was like, no, it's probably not this guy who murdered someone else. Yeah. No. Why would it be? Yeah. Now, let's get into the scum of the earth that is David Shearing. Yep. He was 24 years old at the oh, time. Oh, God. So young. What? How old was he when he ran over the other well, guy? Been, he would have been in his early 20s. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, he worked about 10 hours away up north, um, northern BC, but was no stranger to the police in Clearwater and surrounding areas. Okay, like suspect number one then, exactly. right from the get-go. But why is it taking years exactly. for them to... Why did... Like, I could have told you that. Exactly. I could have told you that. So frustrating. God. Constable Ron German had two run-ins with Shearing and his group of friends over thefts of tools. Both times, a gun was pulled. Well, there you go. Like, yeah. who like, gets that hostile no. over stolen tools? No. You know... Yeah. He also murdered someone, so yeah. there's that. When investigators looked back at the record of his first conversation with RCMP about the oh. incident, he said that he thought it was terrible, he didn't know anything about it, and wasn't around, etc. Sure, of course. Yeah. Why would he be like, I murdered them all? Yeah. Which is actually, when I get into the investigation, you're going to be shocked that he didn't just outright say it because he, yeah, yeah, he cracked like an an egg. Good. Turns out Shearing only lived about three kilometers away from where the RCMP considered the murder scene. Convenient. Mm -hmm. Constable Ron German was asked to bring Shearing back to the Clearwater area from his northern work site for another interview. Ron German picked Shearing up and throughout their conversation, German brought up his hunting rifle, how he liked to hunt, and Shearing divulged that his dad had a Remington 22, mm-hmm. which German knew was the weapon used on the mm-hmm. Johnson family. What a fucking idiot. I know. Like, stupid just... criminal. They're all stupid. There is still no hard evidence. Evidence? evidence. <laughs> wow. I love it. Evidence against Shearing at this point, and he is brought in to be questioned by Mike Eastham. Uh, Eastham brought mm-hmm. Easton brought up the fact that they knew he hit a man by the name of David Carter and Shearing cracked so fast that Easton couldn't write as quickly as Shearing spoke. So he asked Shearing to write the statement down himself and he obliged. Wow. Let me just yep, I did yep. that. I'm yep. going to write it down yep, for yep, you. Yep, yep, yep. Mike yep. Easton then went on to tell Shearing that he knew he was involved in the Bentley Johnson murders and when sh- asking Shearing if he knew where they were murdered, Shearing states, "Yes, at the old Bear Creek campsite." No one had knowledge of where the murder site was. It wasn't what released to the public. What a fucking idiot. The well, plot gave not, himself up immediately. Yeah. In his confession to investigator Mike Easton, David Shearing stated that he had been watching the Bentley Johnson family on their camping trip Ooh, God, for a couple like of that. nights before Ugh. deciding on the second night that he was going to take the twenty-two caliber gun and shoot all four adults. God. Stalking them 
He stated that can it, can it, can it, Janet and Karen, can it. The two little girls were in the tent at the time, and he went in and told them that there were bad people outside, and they would be safe if they just did what he told them. It's terrible. That's so fucked up. Shearing then put all four bodies into the vehicle and took the girls with him to a cabin down near the prison. The girls were still alive at the time. Shearing said that there was a knock on the cabin door where a prison guard had come to let him know that some prisoners would be in the area doing some fishing and then they would be out of there soon. So the prison yeah, guard came. was there when he had the girls. And the girls were still alive. I hate that. How terrifying I, for those girls. Well, and could you imagine being that prison guard finding out oh. later you were there, they were alive. That would have killed you. Yeah. That would have absolutely killed Haunt you. Haunt him for the rest of his life. Shearing had told them not to make a sound. He then took the Fuck. youngest girl, Karen, out of the cabin, around the corner, told her to turn around so he could go pee and shot Karen in the oh, back of the head. Oh, God. This is horrendous. She was only 11 years old. Could you imagine? Just a baby. Oh. So then the older sister, Janet, was like, where's my sister? Well, and she obviously would have heard the gunshot. Yeah. Like, where's, where is Karen? That's horrible. He brought Janet outside, did the exact same thing, told her to turn around and shot her in the back of the head. Janet was only 13 years old. Oh my God. David Shearing had absolutely no remorse during his confession. No, because he's a sociopath. Exactly. He murdered six people in cold blood and felt nothing. He told investigators that he did it for their possessions, like the boat on the camper, their tools. What? But I think that's a load of bullshit. That is a load of bullshit. Yeah. He lit everything on fire. Exactly. Exactly. He was arrested November 19th, 1983. During the six-week trial on April 16th, 1984, Shearing is charged with six counts of second-degree murder. He pled guilty to every single count. When asked in court why he did it, he said that he didn't really know, but thought at one point he wanted the car and the camper. How is that not first degree murder? Why the fuck is that second degree murder? So, um, he's sentenced to six concurrent terms of life imprisonment with no possibility of parole for 25 years. Good. Love that. Yeah. Why the fuck isn't it first degree murder though? I would love to know logistically why. Yeah, I don't, I don't have that information, but I can bring it to you next week. But that was, I read something that that was the most that they could give right? Um, in court was right. the six concurrent terms yeah. like, of and, life sentencing. And I guess like sometimes there's cases where they're like the evidence really can only prove second degree murder. He'll still be in prison the rest of his life. We just don't have enough that a jury could convict on first. Yes. Yeah, so there so wasn't we'll take the any second. hard evidence other than his confession. Right. So they probably played it safe knowing he'd still be in prison the rest yeah. of his life. Yeah. Now that the case was essentially over, Mark's... Mark? Who the fuck is Mark? <laughs> Sergeant Mike... Can it? <laughs> oh my god. Sergeant Mike Eastham felt that he needed the real answer from Shearing, so after the trial, he met with Shearing again to get him to write a parole report that would follow him through his stay in prison. Right. During the meeting, Shearing admitted that it was the two girls who attracted him to the campsite. Ew. After shooting the four adults, he had sexually assaulted the no. two young girls. He's a disgusting piece of shit. Yeah, that that's disgusting. I hope he... Well, no, yeah. maybe I won't So go he that was far. watching the family. The girls are the one that enticed him in. It's disgusting. And I... Gross. I, yeah, I essentially think that he thought the family was in the way. Yeah, and... Yeah. It's just... It's so terrible. David changed his last name to Ennis, again, David Ennis, in 1994 while in prison and ended up marrying a woman named Heather. 
What? Yeah. Yeah. What woman is like, yes, mm, we need that's to do, what I want. I feel like that could also be a Sunday Scaries yeah. where we talk about women that are infatuated with yeah. serial killers. Wait, I think we've talked about this before. I think we have too. Maybe it was, what was that case where they did the conjugal visits and I was like, why are they allowed to have oh. sex? Anyways. I can't remember. We, um, yeah, we well, should. Yeah. Look into the psychology behind that yeah. bullshit yeah it's like stockholm syndrome it's gross come 2008 um david applied for parole he was denied watching the episode well, of crime yeah, yeah. <laughs> while watching the episode of crime beat on this case it's heartbreaking that the family of the bentley johnson case have to continuously relive right. their experience every time he applies because that motherfucker is like let me out exactly nah bitch exactly during this time, murderers in Canada were entitled to a parole review every two years. God, that's excessive. I know. His ass is not reformed. Exactly. And it won't be. Come 2016, the Johnson-Bentley family Johnson Bentley family are successful in helping change the legislation. So mandatory reviews are never now every five years Thank rather God. than every two. That's just like re-traumatizing. Exactly. The victims. Yeah. Um, there was a psychological risk assessment done on 2010 where Shearing admits a history of stalking other potential victims. Oh, that's horrible. And is most likely a psychopath. Uh, yeah. Most likely? Most likely? Definitely. We really gonna put that in there? He was diagnosed with sexual sadism, antisocial, and schizoid personality traits. In September of 2021, so two years ago, David Ennis applied for his fourth parole. Uh -uh. He's denied once again. Thank God. During this parole hearing, he told the board that he had sexual fantasies, including rape and murder. Oh my word. From when he was in his mid-teens. Oh. What happened to him as a kid? I don't know. He doesn't I would talk about love it. to know that, because something done fucked him up. Exactly. And mm -mm. it said that the only one he was interested in was Janet, the oldest of the two girls. I don't believe that for a second, though. He killed the adults because they were in the way. I saw them as just a means to an end. I saw the four adults basically being in the way of what I wanted at the time. It was just Janet as far as I was thinking, and Karen just happened to be there. Ennis also admitted, again, to hitting and killing a teenager before the murders. So that's the one who yeah. hit his vehicle. Did he ever get tried for that murder? No, I don't think so. Oh, that poor family. He said getting away with it made it easier to Gross. escalate his behavior. Oh my God. But there you go. But that's so classic. There you go. That's so classic where these yeah. psychopaths yeah. are, are committing these acts and not getting caught and just escalating yes. and escalating and escalating yeah. their behavior because they're not being punished. Well, majority of the cases we've talked about, there's been previous mm -hmm. behavior of stalking, rape, murder, something, exactly. and these people get off. Yep. And, and, and the system's like, you're reformed. Uh -huh. You like dogs. You're, you should be good. And then they kill someone again. Uh-huh. A parole board member asked Ennis what he did to the girls when they, when he had them captive, oh. noting that all forensic evidence had been destroyed in the fire and there were no other witnesses. When I saw the effects of the, that violence in real life, Janet was crying, as was Karen. Those things stopped me from escalating to more violence. What? Ennis said. It did not stop me from using the violence for sexual gratification. Ew. Um, the parole board heard nine emotional victim impact statements demanding the board reject his application. They said he's his, he is the same monster that he was in 1982. Yeah. He's never going to change. No. 
He's a disgusting, vile human being no. that deserves to rot in prison until well, he's dead. And he's continuing to say shit. He's admitting like, it. Yeah. And asking for parole. And he's continuing to be like, yeah, no, I frequently fantasize about rape uh-huh. and murder and uh, stalking, but mm-hmm. you should really let me out so and I can be act with my on wife. Those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Gross. Sure. Who's marrying his ass? I don't like, know. I'm, uh, I'm going to look into it more for when we do that David episode. Ennis. Yeah. Because well, and, yeah, that's that. I, we have to look into the psychology behind that because it's not like that woman fell in love with him before she no, knew what he was like. They were writing letters. You met him in a prison. Yeah, writing letters. They had conjugal visits. I hate that. It's yeah. disgusting. Mm-hmm. I really hate the word conjugal for some reason. Because <laughs> it's gross. It is nasty. So gross. Yeah, so that's the Wells Grave that's for Mitch murders. Up. I know, I feel for that family. That's really sad. Like, so. Six so people. Like, did it say how how he was able to murder four adults? Yeah, so he had he came down with the gun. Yeah, and essentially just like because I know he like boom boom okay. boom boom. Yeah, like okay. as they came at him, he the shot them. God, that's horrible. Yeah, that's horrible. So terrible. Yeah, and they're in like rural yeah. BC. There's not people around. Well, I mean, like we do a lot of camping. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if I've talked about it on this podcast before maybe i'll save this story for another time actually Mm. because it fits in with a case i'm probably doing in the future so i'll save it i'm gonna leave that little cliffhanger it's already scary enough being out camping like thinking about animals that could come onto your campsite like never mind other people yeah you and you're you're so vulnerable because half the time you're sleeping in a tent yep and you're in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. like you're so vulnerable and nobody really gives that a second thought. We're all just like, I'm one with nature. Uh-huh. And you, yeah. Yeah. I always sleep with some sort of weapon. Oh, yeah. Bear spray. Bear spray something. Yeah. But even then, like I just listened to, oh, it was an armchair expert. It always ah, comes full circle. Yeah. It was an armchair expert where um, a family was camping in a tent and they were attacked by a pack of wolves oh and he had bear spray but he like he said the wolf is attacking from outside the tent Uh in he's like i can't spray the wolf because i'm in the tent if i did that then we're all fucked because we're all blind yeah and he goes on to tell that story but it's like you need shit like a knife or something Mm -hmm. like dylan Dylan's a redneck. He carries a knife to mm-hmm. the fucking gas station. So like, what are you going to get shanked in this small yeah. ass town? You just, yeah. You never know. They always say, you never know when you're going to have to open something. Yeah, that's what <laughs> Dylan says. Because Dylan was standing at the gas station one time and he took out his knife to like open, I forget what packaging he was opening. And the woman at the pump next to him was like, can you please put that away? It's making me really uncomfortable. Oh my God, shut and up. Dylan was like, the fuck? I mean, no, he was like, yeah, of course, sorry. And then he came home and he was like, I just made someone uncomfortable comfortable with my knife yeah (laughs) well (laughs) we live in a redneck town it's fine okay well that was great that was so thanks peeps yeah thanks for listening we'll see you on episode 12 perfect remember all good stories start with a girl's night but not everyone makes it to brunch